Hey guys, it's Heather. Starting this Sunday, we're going back to two services at 9 and 11 a.m. and we have several classes starting. This week, we have Matt Hobson speaking on Facing the Facts. Enjoy this message. This month is the Hebraic month of Av. I told you about last week. And Av is the historical time where Israel was poised to go into the promised land. Now, they had a promised land. We have a land of promises. All right? They had a promised geographical land. We have a spiritual land of promises. And so I believe we are poised, you and I, at our land of promises. And God has come around again to ask us, will you go in and will you possess these promises? Now, this word possess is interesting. It's a Hebrew word, yashar, which means take, possess, but also dispossess. Some people wonder why you struggle with promises. Because they're squatters. They're spiritual squatters sitting on your promises that don't belong to them. They're demonic entities that are trying to hold back what God wants to do in your life. But what you've got to realize is you've got all authority and power to go in and take your promises and walk in your inheritance. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that you possess your promise? Because we as a church will never possess our promise corporately until you possess your promise personally. What's our inheritance as a church? Psalm 2. It says, ask for the nations, and I'll give them to you as an inheritance. God has raised this church up to literally go to nations that are living under the oppressive works of darkness and preach the good news of the gospel and see nations light up with the good news of Christ and see them walk in their purpose and their destiny. But until each of us fulfill our walk, start walking in our personal inheritance of promises, and that's spiritual, financial, relational uh, health in every area, we corporately won't move totally into our promise. So the good news is we're on the verge. This is the month where you choose. God said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. So this is that month. Actually, we're so serious about it. We believe in fasting. And on the ninth of Av is when Israel, which is this Monday night, is when Israel decided not to go in the promised land and have lived under a curse for thousands of years with destructive things happening in these cycles of destruction because of disobedience. And this is the, uh, the historical time to fast. And so, you know, my Bible says something like this. This kind doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. And so we're going to fast Monday sundown. After a huge supper, till, <laughs> till Tuesday at sundown, a 24-hour period. And what's interesting is there's going to be millions of people across the earth fasting on this day. And what we're saying, what are we fasting for? We're saying no longer is this going to be a time of a curse. We're changing this thing, and it's going to be a time of a blessing. Come on. And we're saying through this 24-hour period that we will dispossess some things that are in there and we will lay hold of some things this season that God's been wanting to bring in our life and we're going to see some significant breakthroughs and we're going to start walking in our promises in this season in Jesus' name. Anybody ready to walk into some of this? All right, come on, Matt. Take us off and then I'll jump on back, back on with you. Give Matt a hand as he comes to get us started.
Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just echo all the acknowledgments that Nan gave last week because I feel that same way, and I don't want to use it as my preaching time. So uh, I, I just want to say it's an honor to speak here. It's an honor to be part of this church, to be on staff here for the last four years, to be part of this team. This team has helped mentor and grow and change our relationship, our lives. And just as Quad's saying, we have been on a, a roller coaster ride going higher and higher and higher of God's blessings. Amazing. Uh, but I want to jump right in. And I had no idea that we were talking about promises or nations or any of that. And I've been working on this message for quite a while because I get stuck on one little portion of Scripture and I just can't get off of it. I don't know if that's the way it works with you. It will totally mess up your uh, Bible reading plan if that happens. It will take you out of your daily discipline and your checkbox of I've got to get through the next portion of my reading. And I've just been stuck on this one portion of Scripture for months. And it just so happened to be that it lined up exactly today that it was my chance to communicate with Kent. And it's exactly what we're talking about. So if we could put this first slide up, I'm just going to kind of walk through this a little bit. It's in Romans 4, 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became. And you can just leave this slide up because I'm going to reference it several times. And so became. Do you know that, that you become whatever you believe? Whatever you're looking at, whatever you think about yourself, that's what we become. And this portion of scripture started with me months ago when Anatoly was here from Kazakhstan, if you remember him. We were at dinner with him, and he was prophesying some things over me, and he was getting very personal with me. And then he just stopped, and, and then he said, Matthew, do you believe it? I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard several people say those kind of things to me. I've seen a little bit of it manifest. But I, he said, no, do you believe it? So I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're saying it. He said, it doesn't matter. What matters is, do you believe it? And then he gave me this scripture. He said, because Abraham against all hope, believed in hope, and so became the father of many nations. And we'll use another scripture later where it says, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so it's what we believe is what we become. So let's work through this scripture and then I'm going to jump right in. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he what? faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. You can just leave that right there. Face the facts. If you had to have a title for my message, that's what it's going to be today. Because if I've learned anything walking through this scripture with Abraham, it's that he faced the facts. And if we just face the facts, if we just take it at face value, Abraham appears to be a hero, he is a hero, but of just untouchable faith. How can you be this kind of man without weakening in faith, never wavering in unbelief, strengthening? What an example. That's what I want to be like, right? You just take it as face value. But if we face the facts, facts are not always our friends, as people say. You know, you've heard that, facts are your friends, are they? Because I've been, I've been just overwhelmed lately with fake news headlines. 
And I'm not talking political, so you don't have to email me. I'm just talking fake news headlines from some satire sites. Uh, I saw one the other day where it said, Elevation Church installs water slide for baptismal pit. Numbers are skyrocketing this summer. And just yesterday, I saw one that said, Stephen Furtick, the pastor at Elevation, signs $110 million 10-year deal to start preaching at Joel Osteen's church. They were glad to get him during the off-season. Now, these are just satire sites, and they're just having some fun. But while we were on vacation, I was seeing Amber Alerts, transplants, kids in hospitals, just fake news. And I started researching it, and I looked, and I read an article from the owner of Facebook that said the most comments... Likes, shares of anything that they have is fake news articles. So if you just look at the headlines, headlines can be deceiving because most of the time people only tell you in the headlines what they want you to know. They don't tell you the backstory. So I feel like Paul is giving us the headlines here of, hey, this is Abraham without weakening his faith, never wavering through unbelief, strengthening giving glory to God. This is just the headlines. But if we read that, and then we go back and look at Genesis 12, 15, 16, 17, it may say a little differently about Abraham, because it's a backstory. And so I want to do that, but I, I want to be a little transparent with you and give you some of my headlines, because it, it used to drive me crazy. If you don't know this about me, I used to be a cage fighter, like UFC fighting in a cage. Don't ask me why, it was just for fun. But I was fairly successful doing it. I, I'm, I was actually undefeated uh, and, and never went out of the first round. And if you don't know what that means, it's okay. Just stick with me. But all my fights ended in around 60 seconds, whether it was a submission or a knockout. And then I went on and did jiu-jitsu tournaments and won state championships. And, and I'm not saying any of that to boast. I'm just saying I would have friends come up to me and say, Man, you made that look easy, Matt. Or they would tell Holly, Wow, we drove all the way to Mississippi and for 40 seconds of a fight. Matt made that look easy. See, that was just the headlines. What they didn't see is the years I spent getting up at 4.30 in the morning, having my nose broken, having my shoulders separated, having my toes broken, my fingers broken, of all the work that put into that 40 seconds of a fight. And so if we just look at Romans 4, we just see the headlines. But I want us to take us through a little bit of the backstory and show you all the stuff that Abraham went through. And to be completely transparent with you, it even happens now here at this church. People will come up and say, Matt, you and Holly have such a godly marriage. How in the world did you do it? You, we've been married 16 years. And yes, I agree, we have a godly marriage. But that's the headlines. What you don't see is all the broken relationships all the consequences of our sins that our children are even still having to deal with. So the headline would say that, but the backstory would say something different. Right? And I love those kind of stories of people that get knocked down and get back up again. Kent referenced uh, Mr. Smire, right? He had to face the facts. I was in a wreck, but he's back up again and he's at church today. Um, I love the story... I love the story of J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter. And before you start emailing again, I've never even read a Harry Potter book. <laughs> but I do know the story. She's one of the most famous authors in the world, but was flat broke and almost homeless at one point. Wow. 
So if you just take it from the headlines. So I want to quickly walk us through some of Genesis, get you to keep uh, with me here, keep moving. We're going to go really quickly, and I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase for you. So go back, check it out for yourself. But I want to start in Genesis 12, because this is where God shows up, and as Kent was talking about, the promise calls Abraham. Hey, he's 75 years old. Abraham, I want to bless you. I want to make you the father of many nations. I need you to get up, take all your stuff, and go. Right? How about that? I love when God does that. All right, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, God. Come on, staff at Word of Love. I can do it. Right? But then 10 verses later, we see Abraham, the man never weakening in his faith, never wavering in unbelief, gets his first bad report. Hey, there's a famine in the land. I've got to go. So they take out. As they get there, he realizes, wow, I got my wife with me, and you kind of hot, girl, and... They're going to want to take you and maybe kill me and bring you back in the castle and play Scrabble or whatever they want to do with you. And so I need you to do what any hero of the faith would do. I want to lie and tell them that you're my sister. And so he lies and says, hey, this is my sister and causes a whole bunch of mess. Because we've never done that, right? We've never been in a bad situation. We've never been in a tough spot. And, and we've never reacted like this hero of the faith and had to lie because that's that would be a, a story see most people want the glory they don't want to go through the story so Abraham picks up again only making it about 10 verses before this monster hero of the faith has his first little glitch and again, he was 75 years old. Some time passed, like all of us. And uh, Abraham is still not seeing these promises that God made him fulfill. Where's my first male child? Where's all these descendants? What is all this happening? And we get it around uh, Genesis 15. God shows up on the scene and he says, Abraham, I am your shield and your very great reward. And Abraham starts arguing with him before he ever, ever tells him what he wants. God, God I don't see what you said and so God because I mean this is his boy right this is his boy in Genesis 12 when he called him he said Abraham I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless you so much those that know you will be blessed and those that curse you will be cursed how about that that's how blessed Abraham was touch your neighbor and say hey I'm blessed I'm a son of Abraham and he had many sons and father Abraham right so he shows up because he can't let Abraham go long with his hopes down in the drains. So he shows up and he takes his boy outside. Because how about sometimes you got to get your eyes off what you don't have. And you got to see what God said to you. So he takes him outside and he says, Abraham, I need you to look up and start counting these stars. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, you get it? All these will be your descendants. But God, I don't see it. All these will be your descendants. So Abraham goes about his business. Some more time passes. Again, right, it's about 11 years now. Still no child. And, uh, and his wife's getting a little upset. Sarai's like, Abraham, what's going on? God said this was going to happen. You know, and we've been doing things right, and you even went to the doctor, and you got them little pills, and I just don't see anything happening. Right? And so Abraham, not like any of us would do, 
takes matters into his own hands. And Sarai says, hey, if this is not working out with us, why don't you go sleep with uh, our slave? And we'll have a child through her. And I can just picture Abraham saying, you know, I don't want to cause any problems here, but I'm a team player, and if you really need this to happen, I'll be willing to do whatever, you, you know, for the team, I'll take one. So Abraham goes, sleeps with the slave, and sure enough, they have a baby. Because, again, none of us have ever done that, right? We've never had God tell us something, and then instead of waiting on his timing, we've never taken it in our own hands. We've never been in that broken relationship. We've never taken that job we probably shouldn't have. We've never made those decisions we probably shouldn't have. We've never opened our mouth when we probably should have kept it closed. Because, you know, we're not this great hero of faith who's without weakening, who did not waver, who was strengthened, giving glory to God. And so we fast forward a long time now. Abraham's about 100 years old. Sarah's about 99. God shows up again in Genesis 17, and it's a big moment. It's a turning point because in Genesis 17, there's a name change. Anytime there's a name change, it means an identity change. And he says, hey, you're no longer going to be Sarah. You're Sarah. You're going to be Abraham, not Abram. And so God shows up and again reminds him, hey, you're going to have a child, a male child of your own. And you can remember this verse because it's in Genesis 17, 17. It's easy to remember. But Abraham, like any great hero of the faith, without weakening, did not waver, strengthened in his faith, he fell down and gave glory to God, right? No. It says in Genesis 17, 17, Abraham fell on the ground laughing in God's face. Because it's been about, what, 24 years now from what God told him, and he still hadn't seen it happen. And so he fell down on his face, and he started laughing. And so I just remember back to Genesis 15, 6. If you got that slide, you can put it up. Of when God called him outside and said, Abraham, believe the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He didn't see it. It hadn't manifested but for whatever reason, in this moment of time, Abraham got outside of his situation, looked up in the heavens. That's what we do every month around Rosh Kadesh, right? We're looking up at the sky. And he believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And so I finally think I've worked through this scripture enough that Anatoly has just blew my mind with. Um, and I finally came to this point. If you could put the next slide up. Without being weak... In faith, well, I, I thought he lied about his sister. Without being weak in faith, without wavering in unbelief, well, I thought he slept with his slave because he didn't trust God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Without being weak in his faith, he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And then it hit me, because I remember as we're talking about nations, stand deep when he preached here. He said the word glory means weight. It's the Hebrew word kabod. It's this weight of God. And then it hit me. How could this man, how could this hero of faith go through all of these things? Because these are facts. And still have this kind of faith that he ends up in the hero hall of fame. And then I realized that it keeps this word weight keep hitting me. You know, the, weight, the word 
glory or weight or kabod is mentioned over 376 times in the Bible. And God finally showed it to me. We've got to have resistance. We've got to have a weight. We've got to have something to push into to help us grow. Nothing grows without resistance. Not a muscle. Not a marriage. Not a dream. Nothing in our life grows without resistance, without a weight. So could it be that all of these things Abraham was going through was just his process of God using his glory to grow him? Because if you start looking at that in your own life, then you start to think, wow, could God all of these years been using his glory to grow me? And so, the verse, against all hope, Abraham believed in hope. The very first verse we started with. That I kind of got stuck on, and I, I want to I end with that, but I want to give you an example because I just couldn't wrap my hand, head around it. How do you hope against hope? That makes no sense. I actually wanted to call the message that and realize it just makes no sense. Because how do you hope against hope? And I, I, need some, uh, I need some helpers. Anthony, will you come up here with me? Tyrone, will you come up real quick? And Daphne, could you come help me too? Just, just stand right there. Come over here, Tyrone. So how do we hope against hope? Because Abraham had factual things happening. He lied. He took in matters in his own hands. Uh, not everything that happened, you know, it's okay to face the facts. How about that? So, these are our facts. This is how we hope against hope. So, what about facing the fact of fear? So, God, I just went to the doctor, and, I, and this, is a, this is a big fear, by the way. Uh, God, I just went to the doctor, and I got a bad report. He said I might have cancer. See, that's a fact. I went to the doctor, that's a bad report. So, how do you hope against hope? Well, hope against hope is seeing the facts that are before you, but believing the God that is in you. So, so the fact is, wow, I went to the doctor, I got a bad report, I might have cancer. Hope against hope is, by his stripes you've been healed. Hope against hope is, I had a broken marriage. I don't have a relationship with my son or daughter anymore. That's a fact. What do I do? Hope against hope is I face that fact, but God says I will restore all the enemy has taken. Yeah. Hope against hope is I, I don't have a job. I'm not from Alabama. I've got a, a bad situation that's happened. I need to find somebody named Patio, and I need to call her, and then uh, I don't know what to do. I don't have enough money. Hope against hope is I will supply all your needs. So put this last verse up for me, if you don't mind. It says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore we do not despair, but even in our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day for this what? Momentary light. Not weight. This momentary light 
suffering. Uh, again, it's back to that. Uh, my, my fears are in front of me. My failures are behind me. My feelings are all inside of me. But there's a God that's for me. Right? This momentary light suffering is producing for us what? An eternal weight of glory. Far beyond all comparison because we're not looking at what can be seen but what cannot be seen. See, I'm not looking at, I can face the facts but I'm not looking at those. I'm looking at what God said. Because it's temporary what can be seen. What can't be seen is eternal. Oh, man, I just felt the Holy Ghost on this. Could it be that that's what James is talking about when he says, resist the devil and he will flee? Because that's the same word, that resistance, that's weight. Face the facts, but don't look at them. Just face them and remember the God that's for you. And so, thank you, guys. You can sit down. My, my prayer is Kent takes over... My prayer for you guys is this, as Kent takes over, is that just like in Genesis 15 when Abraham was down in his hopes, maybe some of you here are today, and it hasn't happened the way you thought it would. Uh, it hasn't happened in the amount of time you thought it would. You haven't seen what God said. And so I could just imagine it as Kent takes over that God is just whispering in your spirit, come outside with me. Let me remind you of what I said to you. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Let me just quickly say, I too was a cage fighter. No. <laughs> I was not a cage fighter. But this, this is God talking to us because every conversation I'm having in my life and my friends and family, we're, or everybody's talking about the same thing. Sai sat on my porch two nights ago and talked about the promises changing us. And he said, could it be that it's, in this season it's not necessarily our spiritual disciplines that are changing us, but it's the power of the promise that's changing us. And so when Matt was sharing this word, I got to thank you. Why did Abraham struggle? How does God change our lives? He does it with a promise. Because what he'll do is he'll give you a promise, and then he will allow you to struggle through all our struggles, trying to make it happen in our own strength, the struggle of endurance, the struggle of waiting, the power of disappointment, the pain of it not happening when we thought it was, the pain of it not being in the shape or form we thought it was going to be in. And what happens in the process is it's not just about inheriting the promise, it's actually about the promise changing us on the way to receiving the promise. So look at this scripture. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given us exceeding great and precious exceeding great and precious exceedingly great and precious that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what does God do? God gives Abraham a promise and lets him struggle for 25 years until he sees it fulfilled. You say, why in the world would God do that? Because what happened in that time of struggle is not only did he inherit the promise, but he inherited the nature of the promiser. So we see when Abraham got the promise, he was so like the promiser that he was willing to take his promise to a mountain and put a knife in it, believing that even if he had to do that, the God he served was able to raise him up from the dead and see the promise come alive again. We see his life was radically changed through the struggle of obtaining the promise. And so the good news for us today is just because you're struggling doesn't mean the promise isn't true. Don't put a period where God put a comma. (laughs) Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. It's the weeping in the night that prepares you for the promise that's coming in the morning. Because normally the promise is bigger and better with more responsibility that comes with it than we're able to take. So God has to let us go through the struggle so the promise is actually preparing us to be able to carry the promise when we get it. Hang on a minute. Kip, that's just good preaching right there. Hey. Let me quickly give you the definition of a promise. So the process of the promise, what's powerful is the promise itself is the power that's working. What is a promise? It's a legally binding declaration that gives the person whom it is made a right to expect or claim the performance or forbearance of the specified act. If God's given you a promise, it's a legal right to have hope and expectation for the future. Woo! I'll be back. If God's given you a promise, it's a legal right, spiritually, to have great expectation and hope in your life. Understanding the process is not not forgetting the promise, it's allowing the promise to do its work in you so that you're ready to receive it. Now here's what's powerful. The promise is a seed. And the power is not in you. It's in the seed that's in you. When God makes us a promise, it carries everything within it. It carries the process you'll have to go through. It carries the power that you'll need. It carries the endurance that you need. It carries the hope with it. Why? Because it's a seed of God that's sown on the inside of you. Everybody talks to me about breakthrough, wanting a breakthrough. And here's what I've realized. A breakthrough is not us breaking through a wall. A breakthrough is when the seed has had time to get to the place that it breaks through the resistance to manifest whatever God has planned for it to manifest. So when we say we're after a breakthrough, that ain't my prayer that's bringing it. That ain't my faith that's bringing it. The only faith I have is in the seed that's been sown on the inside of me that that seed has the power to take me through whatever i got to go through and change me in the process. 
And I believe I've got a prophetic picture for you. I'm not a uh, cage fighter. But I do mess with horses. And I deal with a lot of horse poop. Anybody knows horses? You deal with a lot of poop. It's a big part of the job. So I'm constantly, as a pastor and as a horseman, dealing with a lot of poop. But anyway, let me, let me show you a picture. You see that? That is a six-foot pile of poop where all that green stuff is. It's all the poop I've shoveled out of stalls the month of July, and it's six foot high and about six or eight or ten foot wide. And I walked out there the other day, and if you'll notice, there is a blinking corn stalk coming right up through the poop pile. We're about to have the prettiest ears of corn that came out of a big pile in just a few more days. Come on, somebody. And when I saw that, I felt like the Holy Ghost said to me, you know what happened, don't you? That seed that went through the horse, when he ate the corn feed I gave him, pooped it out on the other end, and somehow in the midst of all that poop, now a healthy corn stalk is coming up through it, about to bear the... I felt like the Holy Spirit said, tell my people, no matter how big a pile of poop you're in right now, your seed is coming alive and will bear the fruit and your promise will come. Somebody ought to jump on your feet and give God some glory in this house. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Woo! Let's all, come on, jump up on your feet. We're done. We're done. We're done. Touchy neighbors say you may be in a pile of poop right now, but you're going to get a breakthrough. You never know what God's going to bring out of your mess. You never know the fruit that's going to come out of this stuff. All poop does is fertilize it. All this resistant does and this negative thing, it's just, it's not destroying your seed, it's fertilizing your seed. All these disappointments, all these painful delusions, all these trials that you've been going through, they're not destroying your seed, they're fertilizing your seed. And the promise of God... My Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he has said it, he will do it. If he has spoken it, he will make it good. And so we're just saying now under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that we say thank you, God, for the struggle. Thank you, God, for the resistance. Thank you, God, for the fertilizer. Because we know the seed of destiny will eventually break through the husk of iniquity. And the promise of God will be a reality in our life. So Father, we say now let promises come back alive again. Let dreams 
be born again, again today. Let those promises that you spoke even years ago in people's lives realize that you're just using that promise to make us more like the promiser in this season. We're taking on the divine nature of God even as we're struggling to obtain the promise. But I thank you, God, that there's coming a time when the promise shall be fulfilled. And so, Father, we thank you for that today. We thank you that the promise is sure. We thank you that you're taking us from glory to glory to glory. Lord, we thank you that this is a season now that you're bringing us back around to say, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse, therefore choose life. We choose to believe. Whose report are you going to believe? That's what this month is about. Whose report? Are you going to keep believing everything your circumstances are saying? Or are you going to say, no, I'm facing the facts, but I'm believing what God has said about me and my family and my situation. And we say the seed of purpose and the seed of destiny is going to take us through and see the promises fulfilled in this season. Father, I'm reminded you said all your promises are yes and amen. That means yes, it's going to happen and yes, it's going to be done. So, Father, I thank you for discouragement being moved far away from your people today. I thank you, Lord, that hope is filling our hearts afresh today. And we believe what you have promised, you're going to fulfill it. And we trust that the season we've been in in preparation has just prepared us for the promise to come. I heard an old song by Jimmy Swagger this morning. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. And I'm telling you, there is a promise coming down somebody's dusty road that you've been on. And in this season, we're going to see the fulfillment of it in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement, shout it, amen. amen. Blessed coming in. Now you're blessed going out. Go inherit the promises in Jesus' name. We love you. Be blessed. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv or download the Wayo app. If you're ready for your next step, jump into Freedom Track anytime. Have a great week.